to the Fun Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Vicky Loras. We are here to talk about everything phonetics and phonology and learn about new research by linguists all over the world. For episode four, I'm honored to welcome Omnia Ibrahim. Let's talk about uh, Omnia for a minute. She is a PhD student at Computational Linguistics Department at the University of Zurich in Switzerland. Her PhD focuses on speech dynamics as a function of channel and listener variability. Since June 2020, she has been a research assistant in SFB 1102 project at the Language Science and Technology Department at Saarland University in Germany, where she is looking at the interaction between information density and channel characteristics. I'm also going to link to Omnia's pages in the show notes. Now, how did I meet Omnia? I met her in a face-to-face -face session in 2019 at the University of Zurich, where I was just a visitor and not yet a PhD student. Life happened that we also met later on in the same reading group where we still are together. And now I'm so, so happy to have her as my guest on the podcast. Omnia, welcome to the Fun Pod podcast, and thank you so much for being my guest. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me, and thank you for the nice introduction. It's a pleasure, and it's great to have you. Okay, so Omnia, can you tell us a little bit about how the connection happened between you and phonetics and all the interesting things you're doing? Oh, uh, yeah, it's actually by accident somehow <laughs> when I started, uh, I was trying to find, um, to choose the university where I will go after my secondary school in Egypt. And um, it just happened that um, I met some people who are studying, they were studying phonetics at that time, and I chose it because of that. So it was just really random. But then once I started learning all about phonetics and linguistic, I just fall in love with the field and continue doing it for my undergraduate, my master, and now my PhD. So <laughs> I really like the field. It's a field of phonetics. Oh, super. Very good. Um, you're working as a research assistant at the University of Saarland in Germany. And mm -hmm. very recently, last week, in fact, uh, you published an article where you are the first author. Congratulations to you about this. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Can we talk about your article for a while? Yeah, sure. sure. Okay. Uh, I'm going to mention the title and the authors if somebody is uh, interested in reading it. And also I will link it to the show notes if that's okay with you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, great. The article is called The Combined Effects of Contextual Predictability and Noise on the Acoustic Realization of German Syllables. And it's written by Omnia Ibrahim, first author, Ivan Ewen, Marjoline van Os, Bistra Andreeva, and Bernd Möbius, who are also your supervisors, the last two people, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yes, exactly, exactly. They are my supervisor for my PhD and uh, they are the, the BI of the projects where I'm working, currently working with. Um, Ivan is also the, is a postdoctor in the same project and uh, Marjolin is um, a, 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 a PhD student, but in another project related to SFB. 
Um, so SFP is uh, research centers, research competence centers, as you call it, where uh, we actually look at information density uh, in general and how it's relation to linguistic encoding. And there is multiple projects and I'm employed in one of the projects. And my project is more related to phonetics structure, uh, phonetic part. And, um, and actually this article was was the output of my work for the past two years in uh, SFP, and I'm really I'm really happy with it. Um, wow! And this paper is related to my work in SFP, uh, and my it's basically the output of the past two years of research, where um, uh, along with uh, other members of of my project and the PIs, we investigated the. Um, the effect of predictability. So predictability effect is basically when we know that the coming word or syllable or phoneme is predictable from the context, because mm -hmm. yeah, people get sometimes form some kind of expectations, we mm -hmm. tend to shortening and reduce these units. Mm -hmm. And the other way around. So when the unit is totally unpredictable, so is the next word is totally unpredictable from the context, we usually tend to extend the duration for it and it try to enhance it because we want it to be more salient to our listeners. Mm -hmm. uh, effect of background noise, on the other hand, is also something similar because when we are in, in, in a background, have background noise around us in our environment, we tend to also adjust our voices accordingly. Mm -hmm. to try to make our voice more detectable to our listeners. So the paper actually looking at these two types of effect, like because both of them could lead to enhancement of our speech. Mm -hmm. So what will happen if these two sources of speech enhancement could occur in the same time, co-occur? So for example, if the next word is highly unpredictable, so I will extend it, extend the duration of this word. But then if I'm already talking in uh, speaking in noise, so mm -hmm. will I also give like further enhancement, like further elongation of this word or not? Mm -hmm. And whether there will be some interaction between them. So I investigated that in this in our paper and we didn't find any interaction. So basically the effect is uh, additive, like we have some effect of predictability and then we have further effect of noise. And uh, in our discussion, we try to to, ex to give some explanations why we found these results and maybe it, our conclusion could give some implications for speech production models and, and theories. So I, I hope that people will read it and it's open access so uh, you can read it and I hope that people will like it as well. Well, super. I'm going to share it in the show notes, a link to it. So everybody, including myself, can read it. And thank you for explaining it in so much detail, because I'm sure it helps the listeners a lot and me too, because I don't know everything. <laughs> That's great. And it sounds so interesting, too. Why did you choose German specifically to study for this phenomenon? Um, first of all, because it's, um, it's related to the project itself. So the project is is on German language and oh, okay. uh, we, 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 we as a project, we try to use uh, to implement all our methods in German language, uh, but also because um, we need to, to use some tools as well, like we are training language models, which we need a really large corpus uh, mm -hmm. to calculate uh, predictability. 
uh, and uh, this was available for the German language as well. So because my project is actually like before I, I joined them mid 2020, but the project itself was started 2014. Oh, and wow. along the time, yeah, of course, it's, they have like really long, um, um, like also publications and long research line and and majority of it was in German language, which is which, which is quite actually uh, nice to build on other people research as well. But for my PhD, actually, is is more broader. So mm -hmm. because my PhD have like I, I, I did some other uh, I have also some other publications related to other languages. So, for <laughs> example, I have some some work in Catalan language, uh, which is uh, a language in Spain. Uh, I uh, work in, on, with Swedish language as well. With wow. data from yeah, Sweden uh from kth uh, institute and uh, i also of course because i'm egyptian so my native language is egyptian arabic so also i have uh, some publication in egyptian arabic um yeah um, i think i think i'm uh, i guess this is the beauty of phonetics right that you can yeah. have the opportunity to implement your methods in multiple languages and you will see you will be surprised how languages are actually similar and different and uh, because they somehow show some it gives some information about the people themselves as well, right? And uh, I think this is one of one of the reasons why I really love phonetics because it gives me opportunity to look to different places and 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 different like knowing more people. Let's say. Oh, fantastic! You partially answered my next questions, which is <laughs> uh, a stereotype about linguists. As soon as people hear, ah, oh, you're a linguist, they ask you, how many languages do you speak, right? That's the most popular stereotype. And I knew that you speak English and Arabic as your mother tongue and German too. But I didn't know that you have also done work in Catalan and Swedish. How did that come about? Can you tell us more? Do you also speak these languages? No, 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 actually, no. Actually, I don't also speak German. So uh, actually, I, I am a native speaker of uh, Egyptian Arabic and I speak English, <laughs> but that's it. Uh, so I don't speak German or Catalan ah, or Swedish. I thought but you speak I was a little so... bit of German too. No, I'm trying to learn now. I'm taking oh, some great. courses, but I'm, I'm not in the level to speak the language yet. It's okay uh, because I'm, I'm in Germany, so it's, it's a nice language to learn as well. And best place is you, if you are the in the country where the language is spoken. Uh, but I'm not. I, I will not say that I speak German yet. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, um, I think I, I, I was like really, really uh, lucky that mm -hmm. in all of these languages that I work with, like Catalan, Swedish, or or German, I always have uh, native speakers or or even like at least people who are really advanced in this language, who are my co-authors in my papers. And uh, and it's really helped as well to understand the language a little bit because each language is special and uh, it's not enough to just run like a script or a programming uh, mm -hmm. script or something where it can extract all the values that you want, but also you need to to have some understanding of the natural of these languages. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so lucky to have some people who speak these languages are as my co-authors and then we collaborate together and we get like, luckily we get some, some nice results at the end to publish it. Oh, that's fantastic. I didn't know that. Bravo, Omnia, you're great. Um, so, <laughs> 
So Team C1, which is the name of your team at the university, is involved in accommodation in phonetics. Among others, you also do accommodation. You're studying adults and children. Can you explain for our listeners who perhaps do not know what this is, how do you incorporate accommodation in your research? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, accommodation phenomena is actually when uh, two people, when, during conversations, uh, two, usually people will start sounding similar to each other over the course of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And um, and usually uh, as a phenomena, um, I've been like known to, to also sometimes signaling the social distance between people and uh, sometimes also can can facilitate uh, the perception uh, of or and also language comprehensions between between listeners and mm -hmm. and uh, between interlocutors i mean um so it's really interesting phenomena which i started studying it actually when i was in zurich so this was my first uh, project in zurich when i first started my phd yeah. And um, it was, as you mentioned, uh, actually comparing between adults and children, because as a phenomena, yeah, it's well known in adults, but no one actually uh, know a lot of information about how it's actually the development part of it. And this was the my first project in Zurich, and I tried to do some work about it, but um, but after that, I changed a little bit my my focus, and I still mm -hmm. studied accommodation, but rather in human robot interactions mm -hmm. and how we as humans how we we accommodate to the voice of the robot or mm -hmm. the other way around and um, yeah it was actually like for sometimes i was studying that mm -hmm. uh, um, because also uh, one of the speaking styles that usually well known is called like robot directed speech mm -hmm. so when we are speaking to a robot we because we know that the robot is not a human, right? So we yeah. know that they have some like constraints of their comprehension. So we tend to be more clear when we are speaking to them. So mm -hmm. we tend to like uh, are, have really slow speaking rates. We have uh, really short utterances. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because we know that there is some type of constraints. And this is well known um, speaking style called robot directed speech. But then actually I'm in one of my papers i was talking about maybe this style comes from that the human is trying to accommodate to the voice of the robot oh, as wow. well mm -hmm. so maybe if we manipulate the voice of the robot so maybe if the robot is speaking too fast not too fast but like let's say have fast speaking rate mm -hmm. we will not go to the clear speech as yeah. humans because we will be affected by our robot interlocutors um, so I was discussing that in one of my papers, and um, I think you can find it in my research gates page as well, um, where I guess it's called uh, revisiting robot direct speech in human-human robot interactions. Oh, super. I'll include that as well. And I actually remember flashback moment now that the, the first time we met, and I wasn't a PhD student that day that I told you that I came to visit the research group you were presenting your project on accommodation and mm -hmm. you were looking at it for many aspects and i was thinking wow it's so interesting i really want to know more about this project and i really want to be a phd uh, researcher as well so i remember that day vividly that you were presenting about that topic oh fantastic so interesting and about the robot directed speech thanks for telling us about that too um, 
You have so much material. Uh, are you thinking, if you can tell us, of course, are you thinking of building a corpus or something like that? Or somewhere where it can all be gathered together? Um, I mean, for a lot of my, my publications was actually using other people, corpuses or <laughs> corpora, uh, because I really believe in like, we should share, we, we should share our data with others. Yeah. I, I really believe in that. And, and I think it's really a waste of time and effort to have, to build your own data and then for your own experiment and you have your own publication out of it. And that's it. No one sees the data again. I yeah. think this is really time and effort and money of course mm -hmm. so we should share share our data a lot and as motivated by this concept i was always trying to before starting collecting my own data i always try to search for other people who already collected that data and uh, usually you will be surprised how many uh, people are actually willing to 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 share their data when it's fantastic. possible of course uh, yeah, and and a lot of it actually resulted in really nice collaborations together. And I'm I'm really lucky to have to have like uh, for example with Catalan language. It was one of my colleagues in Zurich. She collected the data for her um, postdoctoral position in Zurich, and uh, she did some like pragmatic uh, analysis on it. But then wow. I felt oh, but we can use it for accommodation as well. Could you share the data with me? And then this was the beginning. And we ended up. We have we have a paper for that with where we we looked at the within speaker accommodation behavior. So if if I am because the speakers are basically students, university students, mm -hmm. and they have conversations with their friends and also conversations with a professor. So here mm -hmm. we have different power dynamics in the conversation, and we looked at at. Um, at how this could affect as as factor could affect the accommodation behavior yeah. of the same speaker. Mm -hmm. So apparently, at least from my results, we found that we are more willing to accommodate with our friends, maybe mm -hmm. because we are more familiar with them, maybe because they are at the same level as us. But on the other hand, uh, majority of my subjects show um, diversion, which is actually the opposite of conversion. So mm -hmm. which means that they become more different from the professor's voice. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, the data itself, I didn't collect it. It was collected for totally different reasons, but I thought it could be useful for my research, and then I asked for it. It's the same with robot-directed speech research. It was also collected for other purposes, yeah. but I asked the, the, the professor to share it with <laughs> me, and, and it works. So, yeah, but I mean, in general, I, I am really, if I will collect any data myself, I will be really happy to share it, because yeah. I guess this is a point of it not to waste i mean I, I collected some arabic data mm -hmm. and i share it in general anyone asks for it can get it and, uh, uh, and some people also have some publication out of it which is really nice oh that's fantastic same here i'm all for sharing because first of all why not share and different projects come out of it and you think wow this thing that i built and i wasn't sure if it would be useful for somebody else and then you see just projects popping up from it mm -hmm. oh fantastic um, if you can tell us, do you have any other projects in the pipeline? Um, oh, well. <laughs> uh, if it's not confidential. Oh, no, I mean, nothing is confidential. I mean, with research, uh, everything is open, and uh, mm -hmm. which is what I really like about research. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I have something really, con like, 
certain for now. I mean, for now, I'm doing some perceptual experiment, mm -hmm. actually. So I'm in the design uh, part of it where I try to investigate the effect of clear speech again, because so mm -hmm. uh, it's known that clear speech is always uh, more prefer, like people prefer clear speech yeah. uh, in noise. When they are listening in noise, they prefer to hear clear speech because it helps yeah. them with intelligibility. But then now I'm trying to do some manipulations for mm -hmm. some part of the signal and try to make it unexpected. So when they are expecting something uh, acoustically, and then they, they, they hear something different. So will they still prefer the, the most enhanced version in general? Or maybe they will prefer what they, what they expect. So they, they form their own expectations. And then when the, the, the signal exactly the same as the context, maybe they will prefer it more. So it's a preference test. And uh, I'm still in the design part. So it oh, will super. be really interesting to find what, what will happen next but i think it would be really interesting and it will answer a lot of questions as well because we we make some assumptions and maybe maybe it's not true i mean mm -hmm. maybe not everyone really prefer clear speech maybe this is not the case oh fantastic good luck with that is there a book or an article that you keep going back to that you could recommend to our listeners and to me of course <laughs> Um, about which uh, which topic exactly? Because uh, true, there's so many. <laughs> um, maybe general phonetics or something more specific. A book that's one of your favorites. Um, um, I'm not really sure if I have like if something comes to my mind now. No problem. Um, because it's really difficult to find that, like the book, you know, like the yeah. one and only That's <laughs> somehow true. in a field. Mm -hmm. Every book have, or also articles have its own like positive parts somehow. I yeah. mean, it's really, really interesting when you read, you read uh, research papers, especially because it's somehow, it feels like a conversation with the author. Absolutely. And, and yeah. you, and, and I don't know if it happens to you or not, but at least sometimes when I read a paper without looking to the authors, but then from those, the style, how they are actually writing in their paper, sometimes I can uh, look, oh, maybe this is, looks similar to this author or something. And then I go back yeah. and I found it is the same person. Oh. I don't know if it happened with you or not. Yes, it happens very it's, often uh, that you can kind of make an image of the writer or you can connect them to other authors as well. Mm -hmm. And, and it will be so, I will always be so surprised when I see them in conferences, in face-to-face -face and like, yeah, yeah finally, like this <laughs> name have, is a person and I see them. Me too, um, I'm always starstruck. I, I try to enjoy all, yeah, I try to enjoy all papers, actually. I don't really have a favorite one out of That's great. That's wonderful. And my last question that I ask all my guests, is there a linguist, a phonetician or not? that you have admired for years and you follow their work? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I I follow a lot of researchers, uh, as, as you also know, on Twitter. And, and yeah. uh, I love to, to see their updates. And, and it's always interesting to see them, to meet them again in, in person. Mm -hmm. But I guess one of the people who I really admire in the field of phonetics. Uh, maybe she's not she's not that uh, famous outside of Egypt, 
but she was my master and undergraduate supervisor, uh, Professor Mervit Fashion. So she's a professor of phonetics and phonology in Egypt in Alexandria University. And uh, she really um, have an impact on my academic career in general. So she was really, uh, she's still until now, she's a, a role model for me. And um, she have a lot of publications, but unfortunately in, in Arabic, not in English. So maybe that's why not everyone know her, <laughs> but I I mean, everything I learn as a researcher and uh, to be how to be a good researcher and how to conduct research and experiments, I learned it from her. So I really admire her and my role model. Yeah. That's really brilliant. I can I can include her name also in the show notes. Maybe something will be translated into English too. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Omnia, this has been so interesting with you. I hope I'm saying it correctly. Shukran Jazila. Oh yeah, exactly. Have <laughs> one. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for everything you have shared with us today. I hope you also enjoyed it with us too. Yeah, so much. Yeah, thank you. Oh, great. And for our listeners, enjoy this podcast with Omnia. Remember to subscribe so that you can be notified every time a new episode is released. If you would also like to be a guest or have any comments or questions to add, please email me at vickyloras, V-I-C-K-Y-L-O-R-A-S, at yahoo.ca, CA for Canada. Thank you for listening and see you next time for a brand new episode of the Fun Pod podcast.